The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the gospel of our Lord. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen. In those days, the days of the Messiah, the Messianic age, the days that we still live in, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness, and people came out in droves to hear him. He lived different from everyone else. He wore a camel fur. He wore a leather belt. People thought he was pretty cool. He ate locusts and honey. Obviously, this guy either was a weirdo or he was one of those prophets like we would hear about when they would read the Torah or the prophets or the histories. Man, if I go hear him speak, I'll be a part of something wonderful. A part of the zeitgeist, a part of what is sweeping through history right now. John the Baptist has something important to say. I'm going to make sure I'm there. And so stumbling through all of the voices of their age, 
all of the false prophets that have risen up, all of the strange political forces and uh, anti-tyrannical, um, uh, rebellious groups that you could join and see very quick results. Through all the shadows and the smoke and mirrors of that first century world, the people who went to go hear John the Baptist were as close as they were going to get to the truth in their time. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king is coming to take back what's his. He has his winnowing fork in his hands. The coming of his kingdom to reign on earth. And what it looks like is him separating the repentant from the rebellious, the stubborn. Prepare the way for the king in your life, in your heart. You, O Israel, are sheep. You're wandering about. You are lost in the wilderness. But I'm here in the wilderness with you to point you to the truth. Repent. Turn back from those ways. Rejoin the flock of your God shepherd. And so there were only two ways to respond to John's preaching. Either you repented, you confessed your sins to God. You turned from your sins and then you were baptized by John. Or you didn't. And then on the last day, either you lived, you'll have lived a life of rebellion against God. Rebellion against Jesus Christ and his word. Against his called ones, his called prophets, pastors, preachers, other Christians, or you'll have lived a life of daily repentance, of tears over your sins and forgiveness from our merciful God. One is brought to be with the king on the last day by this wonderful king who does not Who does not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he judges. One who looks on the faith of those who believe in him and pardons. Or the latter, burned with unquenchable fire as John preaches. At first, John's ministry seems to be going wonderfully. It's yielding good results. Without a hitch, thousands of people are seeking him out. They're seeking God's truth. They're tired of what they're being, of what they're being told. They're tired of the same old, same old. They're out in the wilderness. They hear the law of God's word being preached to him. Repent. And so the rocks of their stubborn hearts are being broken by the hammer of God's law. And those rocks are falling away. 
and they begin to bear fruit of repentance. One of Jesus's favorite images, a good tree versus a bad tree, a dying tree. A good tree that is well watered, receiving its nutrients from good soil, will yield, grow fruit. But a bad tree, a dying tree, has ceased to yield fruit. And so those that are responding to John's preaching of the law, they are yielding fruit of their repentance. They are confessing their sins. I am a sinner. Lord, forgive me. I'm the one to blame. Only I can change my circumstances. It's not other people's fault. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me. And in this way, the way is made for God's life-giving gospel. As is proper to repentant people, John gives them the gospel of God's word. Because his kingdom is at hand. And the way that John does it is he gives John's baptism. Which isn't Jesus' baptism. You'll have to ask me about it in Bible study. But God's word is being preached. Faith is being created in hearts and baptism is being baptized. God's words preached, faith created in hearts by God's word, baptism, a cycle that will happen for 2,000 more years. And all of a sudden, here come Pharisees and Sadducees. Oh, things were going so well. The story was so happy, despite John's fiery preaching. These highly respected Pharisees and Sadducees, why are they here? They ruin everything. Maybe they were, they were guests that were brought along by seekers. Maybe they came to prove a point and to start to be a rock in the ministry of God's people. Who knows? But they're there. And when they come up to John, fully expecting to receive baptism from John, like everybody else, John says, nope. No baptism for you. I can't baptize you today. But why? I thought this was that nice, young, new prophet that everyone wants to go and hear. Why would he do something so judgmental, deny baptism to people seeking baptism? What is going on? Well, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, said one thing and did another. What Jesus will call Hypocrites. And what were they doing that barred them from baptism? Well, baptism gives salvation. It gives God's forgiveness of sins. It gives mercy. All of those things aren't for one that is unrepentant. 
And so when you seek salvation from God, when you seek forgiveness from God, when you seek mercy from God, you must come to him brokenhearted of your sin, desiring forgiveness, praying, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on us as we begin our services in prayer. Pharisees and Sadducees can make all the excuses they want. They often say things like, I deserve it. I'm related to so-and-so. My father is Abraham. Maybe even I've been here since the beginning. Too bad, says John. There's no avoiding the nuts and the bolts, says John. The only way to receive the gospel is to prepare a way in the wilderness, a royal highway, you might say, for the king to come. One must turn away from their sin to repent and to show the fruit of that repentance. The confession of one's sins. It's the only route to forgiveness by God. Now, strictly speaking, repentance consists of two parts. The word I want to teach you today is contrition. And God bless you if you know what contrition is. Have you ever heard of a contrite heart? It's the first part of repentance. When terror strikes your conscience. When you feel the heaviness in your conscience. You might even think of it. I watched a lot of Looney Tunes growing up, a devil and an angel on your shoulder, and you just know the devil's tugging at your heart. And this comes through the knowledge of your sin. The other part, the second part, is faith. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's called out from the gospel. It's called out from the words of absolution, like we do in the beginning of our service, the words of forgiveness. It's when your heart has already been broken by the preaching of the law of God. And now his words of forgiveness, grasped to by the faith in your heart, created by the Spirit, believing that for the sake of Christ's death and resurrection for you, your sins are forgiven. Your conscience, once broken, is offered up, a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. Your conscience is comforted, and it is delivered from the terror caused by God's law. Every Sunday, you are blessed. You have found the gate to heaven. You have ventured through the lies told to you in this world, the smoke and mirrors, the baloney you're told to care about. You've waded through it. And somehow, by the grace of God, you're led here, out into the wilderness, where the baptizer preaches to you 
about Jesus Christ. Points you to Jesus Christ. Repent. Jesus is about to show up. And so what is John saying to us today? Something pretty blunt. This living visual image of him denying baptism to unrepentant sinners, hypocrites. He's showing us, telling us, saying to us, don't blow it. You've made it this far. You're, you've traveled through all of that in the wilderness. Don't blow it like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Be honest before Jesus Christ. Let those hard words of God's, God's law break the rocks of your heart so that you can be soothed. Repent. Show the fruit of your, forgive, of your repentance, the confession of your sins. The Puritan Thomas Watson said, I was doing some Puritan reading over Thanksgiving. He said, How far from godliness are those who have never shed a tear for their sins? If they lose a loved one, they they weep. But when they are in danger of losing Christ and their souls forever, they do not. Jesus' kingdom has come into this world. He saw firsthand his closest friends and their utter disregard and disinterest in the things of his kingdom, what he came to die for, to bring into this world, the words of God himself. They kept falling asleep when he asked them to keep watch in in the Garden of Gethsemane. He lamented, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But though all his followers denied or deserted him that that night that he was betrayed, though the Pharisees and Sadducees were adamant to remain unrepentant before John the Baptist that day, never forget, Peter denying Jesus three times, repented and was restored to faith in his Savior Jesus. Thomas, over and over, denied to his twin brother and all of his closest friends, no, Jesus isn't alive. And then he touched Jesus' side, was repented and restored. Nicodemus the Sadducee repented and claimed Christ's body publicly from the governor. Joseph of Arimathea the Pharisee repented and said, Jesus, be buried in my tomb. For all I know, I'll have no use of it. You will return and I will never die. But it all started with that Baptist cry on the Jordan's bank. And so we return to his message. Always more heavy with the law of God than other Sundays. 
He says, even today, Jesus wants you to be in his kingdom with him. And so pray earnestly that he grants and works repentance in your heart, in your life, that by my preaching of his word to you, you would always be returned to faith, always be fed in faith, and always look to our Lord's return for your salvation.